The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanities of vanities. All is vanity. That is Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. And coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. Welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. I am your host, Julio Omar Rodriguez. And across from me, I have my hermanos, A.W. and the Steve Dan Hartog, the boss. What's going on today, people? Hola, hola. <laughs> today, we have another uh, excellent episode for you. We're going to be talking about the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm. Uh, Banner of Truth published a book titled Ecclesiastes, Life in a Fallen World. And we have on the guest today. And uh, Ecclesiastes has been a book that I just can't recommend enough for Christians to read. I think it's underrated. I think a lot of people are scared of the book because it's like mysterious. But when you understand it from its proper context, its theological viewpoint, where Solomon is coming from, um, it just makes it all the more beautiful. So what, what, what are y'all's thoughts on the book of Ecclesiastes? I think it's foundational for understanding the gospel completely, yeah. you know, because we need to understand how vain life is outside mm. of a relationship with God mm-hmm. yeah. through Jesus Christ, amen. you know, and Ecclesiastes brings us to that point. Yeah, amen. Uh, it's my favorite book in the Old Testament by Same. far. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed the, um, uh, the Bible studies that you've been doing on Saturdays, Julio. Uh, I'm not always there, obviously, but uh, I Sinner. can. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I can see just the people in the group and the impact that book has had mm-hmm. on the group that, yeah, that. Uh, that you've been teaching on Saturdays. I mean, you just look around and just see the facial expressions and then the tears of just people talking about who they were before Christ right. and, and, and how just the preacher, uh, uh, the preacher just goes and talks about life mm-hmm. that, you know, it's so real. All, it's so real. I mean, everything that he's trying to chase, you know, it's so striving um, after win. Yeah. And it's relevant and, uh, to our time, right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you just can't get away from that book and not see yourself in it. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's what Augustine said, you know, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they come to rest in thee. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's such a accurate portrayal of life. And, uh, and it's, it's, and the first time I read Ecclesiastes, I remember walking away and I was like, I couldn't, does Mm. the Bible really say these kind of things? Yeah. Like, really, like, I almost came away, like, depressed. Like, yeah. I, But, again, hopefully today's program hmm. provides the proper context and understanding, yeah. and hopefully it encourages you, uh, most importantly, to go get yourself a copy of this commentary and then read the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. So. I mean, if you read Ecclesiastes once a month, it will do wonders for you if you get around to it. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, it's that, just, mm-hmm. I mean. Charles Bridges called it the seed of the gospel. Hmm. Which is uh, another commentary. Great, great, great. Anyway, guys, um, just some quick announcements before we introduce our guest. Bridge Radio Espanol is now up on the Bridge app and is now on all uh, podcast platforms. So please, if you know Spanish speakers, please point them to this podcast and share it with them and tell them to subscribe and share all the more. Yeah. And- it's going to be really solid, biblical. Uh- evangelical yes you know it's going to be it's going to be really good stuff 
Yeah, and uh, just to share with the audience, uh, Julio and I and Steve are not on the podcast. No. Uh, if we can just let our audience know who's going to be running our bridge Espanol. Uh, Eduardo pod- Martorano. Uh, Eduardo Martorano, yes. Um, Sounds like so, Dracula, dude. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> no. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Um and the first podcast was released, so please share. And he's and got his. Yep. Just a little background on Eduardo. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to PRTS, Puritan mm-hmm. Reform Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids. He has his MDiv working on its THM, and uh, obviously a native uh, Spanish speaker from mm-hmm. Venezuela originally, yeah. and just has a real heart yes. for the Spanish speaking community, sharing the gospel, sharing the deep truths of scripture mm-hmm. uh big god theology and Amen. so uh it's going to be some really solid teaching so yeah. and yeah. share it yes please Th- this series is going to be on the doctrine of the church what is the church and yes. for october which is reformation month we had a meeting with eduardo mm. and it's going to be on roman catholicism so some of the titles he was spewing out just wait to go see those but i was super excited to see yeah. that what about roman catholicism though oh do we we, we got we got to do this podcast <laughs> that's a yeah. couple of podcasts yeah, yeah. yeah that's okay. a couple of podcasts okay. yes um last announcement uh we have a conference saturday september 21st at tammy u uh dr michael whitmer is going to be coming down it's yeah. on faith doubt and calling and uh, we're excited to have that please visit our website or call us for more information and lastly if bridge radio has blessed you in any way please prayerfully consider partnering with us through a one-time or monthly donation to continue our gospel outreach in South Texas and Mexico. Uh, and you could give a contribution there on our website yes. at www.bridgemanlaredo.org. All right. Are we ready for the podcast? Let's do, it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. He is a professor of Hebrew and Old Testament at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor's, South Carolina. He is the author of a recently published book by Ben of Truth titled Ecclesiastes Life in a Fallen World. Thank you, Dr. Benjamin Shaw, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Dr. Shaw, Charles Bridges said in his commentary, the book of Ecclesiastes has exercised the church of God in no common degree. Many learned men have not hesitated to number it among the most difficult books of sacred canon. Dr. Shaw, why has Ecclesiastes been so difficult for the church? Because people aren't quite sure what to do with it. Uh, I think a a surface reading of the book, uh, particularly in translation, can lead to a a misunderstanding, and and then uh, and and if it's read not carefully. Uh, you can you can get to the end of the book and think, okay, now where does that fit in with the rest of the Bible? Right. So, what are some of the misunderstandings? Uh, if you could give us a couple of examples of that, uh, I think probably the uh, the most obvious uh, you don't see it well is in the is in the first couple of verses of the of the book where we we find the the statement sort of the theme statement of the book yeah. vanity of vanities all is vanity mm-hmm. uh, and vanity was the uh, was the word that the King James translators used I'm sure they got it uh, to some extent uh, out of the influence of the Vulgate mm-hmm. uh, but um, I don't think that vanity is a word that has much meaning to us today, mm-hmm. uh, and 
the uh, and if you look at most of the modern translations, they will translate it something like meaningless or futile or pointless. And so if you begin the book that way, everything is pointless or everything is meaningless or everything yeah. is futile. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna read the book with this, um, I think, fundamental misunderstanding of the message of the book, and it really will drive you crazy trying to figure out how that fits in then. Uh, with the rest of the scriptures, right, right. And can can you talk a little bit about the word vanity? By the way, I mean that's such a key theme to it. You talked about kind of its interpretation and what it means. There's some misunderstandings. If you could provide some clarification of that, sure. The um, the word that's translated, the Hebrew word that's translated vanity, is the word hevel, and it's actually also the name of of Abel, uh, Cain's brother. Mm-hmm. But it uh, its literal sense is a puff of wind. Uh, and so, uh, the I, obviously Solomon is using it in a figurative fashion in the book. But the question then is, what's what's the figure that he's trying to derive from this uh, from this word that means a puff of wind? Hmm. Uh, and and I think that's where uh, many of the translators go wrong. I think they mistake. Uh, you know, if you think about it, a puff of wind or a breath of air, uh, our breathing is not meaningless or pointless or futile. It's absolutely necessary to our lives. Hmm. But but rather, the figure is the ephemeral nature hmm. uh, of a puff of wind. Uh, it's there and then it's gone. Uh, in addition to that, you can't you can't grasp it. You can't hold on to it. Uh, and so that uh, and and if you're trying to grasp something that you really can't grasp, it's it introduces uh, frustration as well. And so, the um, I think you know the fundamental sense then of the of the word is as Solomon is using it in the book is this idea of uh, temporariness, mm. ephemerality, uh, and so. Uh, when he says vanity of vanities, uh, everything is vanity, everything is passing. Uh, everything is impermanent. Uh, you know, you, uh, uh, you, you you mow your lawn and the next week you got to mow it again. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that cut wasn't permanent. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and he goes on to verse 3 and says, What advantage does a man have in all his works, which he does under the sun? And I find yeah. it's, it's just interesting. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you you do the work, and and then you've got to do it again. We so what's clean the bathroom again? <laughs> it's yeah. dirty the next day. Yeah, <laughs> wash the dishes again. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting depressed. <laughs> no, I think that's why it's so important. It just reiterates the importance of understanding and reading the Bible within its context. You know, I would. Uh, I'm guessing that that statement a puff of wind probably had more significance at that time at least maybe a a different significance than what we understand it to be now Mm -hmm. and uh, and it it just meant something that that uh wasn't uh wasn't permanent and that was quickly passing okay yeah so it's so important to to make sure that we're reading the bible with uh within the context within an, an, an understanding of 
of what the author is getting at because sometimes right. those those words that we read don't carry the meaning that were the intention of the uh, the original author. Yeah. Right. So do you do you have uh, what do you think about the church now? Has it come to a better understanding and a grasp of Ecclesiastes? And if so, why do you think that is? Um, no, actually, I think the church has not been well served uh, over the last century and a half or so uh, by the commentary literature, uh, and I, I think that's reflected in the uh, in the way that the your newer translations have translated the book, hmm. uh, particularly the, that key word, uh, Hevel. Uh, they, it, it reflects a, uh, I, as I said, it reflects a fundamental misunderstanding of the message of the book. Mm-hmm. If you translate that word uh, meaningless or pointless or futile. Hmm. Okay. And, and is there a, a translation that you would recommend to read the book in, Ecclesiastes, that maybe might be a little bit easier? Uh, probably the one by Robert Alter. Okay. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with that name, not. but he's a, uh, uh, I think, professor emeritus of comparative literature at Berkeley. But he just recently finished and published as a whole work his uh, translation of the entire Old Testament. Uh, now, he's Jewish, and, and that's going to be reflected to some extent uh, in his in the annotations that he makes on the text. Mm. But it's it's a it's a good, careful literary translation. Um, I think um, you know, uh, and and he he translates that uh, um, uh, he translates Hevel pretty literally as a breath of air. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, he's leaving that in that sense uh, open to the reader to pay attention to. Uh, to what it means in in the various contexts in which the book uses it. Hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Shaw, uh, who is the author of Ecclesiastes, and how does this play into our understanding of the book? I know that we mentioned a little bit earlier about Sol- Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know that, that's another thing over the over the course of the last uh, century and a half or so. Uh, well, up until uh, the late 1800s, uh, it was just you know common. Uh, by common consent, everybody re- uh, thought of Solomon as the author. Uh, he identifies himself as uh, son of David and king in Jerusalem. And so uh, folks took that at face value and read it as mm-hmm. uh, Solomon. But um, uh, in the late 19th century, uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, better known commentators uh, commented, well, if there's uh, if Solomon wrote the book, there's no history of the Hebrew language. Uh, and what he meant by that was, in his estimation, the language of the book is, on the whole, is so late uh, that Solomon, there was no way that Solomon could have written it. Um, and uh, that was on the basis of what he considered to be a number of Aramaisms, you know, words from Aramaic uh, in the text. Uh, but a lot has changed in the last uh, 130, 140 years since uh, uh, Delich wrote his commentary. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that has changed is the recognition that um, uh, Aramaic was much more widely used and used much earlier uh, 
uh, in the ancient Near East than Delich had any idea of. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be, uh, and so my and so my conclusion is that that undercuts. You know, but let, let me back up. Um, and so pretty much after that, uh, people just, you know, commentators just kind of took, okay. uh, Delich's word for it, that the book had to be later than Solomon. And so you get all of these, uh, uh, proposals about when the book might've been written and by whom, hmm. uh, but the, uh, as I say, the, the, the study has changed over the last particularly in the last 20 years or so there have been a number of studies on the language of ecclesiastes and i think the safe conclusion is that the language of ecclesiastes while it is not while it is dissimilar uh to other books from about the time of uh, of solomon uh that that's due more to subject matter than it is to the character of the language itself mm-hmm. and so uh, I think the the identification of the author as the son of David, king in Jerusalem, I, I think that cements for us uh, Solomon as the author of the book. Now, you would say that uh, uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes is just reflecting on his life at a at a later age. Yeah, I, I think so. He's say, he is. He's saying, uh, you know, you're certainly welcome to do this investigation after me, but. I've already done the work, uh, and 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 these are my conclusions. Hmm. For our audience who are unfamiliar with the Book of Ecclesiastes, can you talk a little bit about why it's so significant? Well, Solomon was the uh, king of uh, of Israel after David. Uh, he um, uh, is, uh, according to the testimony of the Book of First Kings, uh, he was given extraordinary wisdom uh, by God for the purpose of ruling the kingdom. Uh, he, um, uh, as, as he aged, however, he, uh, uh, let his, uh, seems to have let his interest in, uh, his interest in women, uh, control his life. And so he ends up with, you know, uh, a thousand, uh, wives and concubines combined and, and he, uh, indulges in worship of foreign deities, uh, but the um, uh, and so I I tend to read Ecclesiastes as you know late in Solomon's life he's looking back on that and he's reflecting on his on his not only his successes but his failures hmm. uh, in in that. I, I, one of my favorite chapters is chapter two, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter two, when uh, uh, Solomon starts talking about, you know, uh, he is looking for pleasure in laughter. Then he's looking in pleasure in uh, in wine and booze. Uh, he goes to real estate. He goes to money. And and comes just, Donald Trump. He yeah, starts building things. Yeah, he starts building. And I'm like, like how contemporary is this book is this book yeah. just like i'm like yeah. like i mean the things that you just look around us and just this day and age like right now of what people place importance yeah. in their lives and i was just like oh man like wow and i mean the women and and, and none of them was on, sat, and on. Like, on and on you know like nothing is satisfying yeah everything yeah and and i think that's you know that that really reflects our own experience and and our as well that that we find we try all of these various things, uh, 
to satisfy, and and we find that they don't satisfy. Uh, pleasure doesn't satisfy. Uh, wealth doesn't satisfy. I remember reading a uh, an article about um, uh, the, the super wealthy. I mean, you're talking the one the one percent of the one percent, <laughs> and uh, uh, it was it was. And and you in order it was actually a study uh, of these folks, and in order to be part of the study, you had to have an annual income of twenty five million a, a year mm-hmm. or more, uh, and uh, and one of the things that came out in the study is that they worry about money, they worry about losing it, they, you know, their thoughts are consumed with it, and so even as as hyper wealthy as they are. They find no satisfaction in it. Hmm. It just reminds me again, and we talked about it earlier, with regards to St. Augustine, Augustine in his confessions, where he says, Oh, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts mm-hmm. are restless until they come to rest in thee. Because we always try to find satisfaction in the things that of this world, you know, on a horizontal level, the right. money. the things the, that ultimately don't satisfy. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that relationship with, with the Lord where yeah. our true satisfaction is found. Dr. Shaw, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, do you do you believe that Ecclesiastes is is a reflection of what Calvin talked about in um, he he talked about there's two knowledges that you know in in the Bible and God kind of teaches us uh, one is more directly uh, like that's of Himself. Another an example mm-hmm. of a book is Romans, um, and then right. another one is is more of a, a reflection our, of ourself and, and who we are. Um, mm-hmm. would, would you would you agree with that? That that's really what the the book is talking about. It's kind of like us walking up to a mirror, looking at ourselves, and just right. in looking at ourselves, we're realizing, oh wow, we're, this is this is who really we are. And then it kind of uh, swipes us at the feet and makes us look up up upward unto our Creator. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I think uh, one of the things that Solomon is doing in the book is just holding up. Uh, it, you know, in a certain sense, a lot of us kind of live our lives in a fantasy land. Uh, we <laughs> pretend that things aren't the way they are. Mm. Uh, you know, people will tell you, uh, you, you hear people say it all the time, that people are basically good. Mm. And yeah. yet, all of our experience uh, tells us that that's, that that's wrong. Mm. Uh, that, that people, uh, given the opportunity... Uh, to do badly, we'll do. You know, we'll we'll turn into Breaking Bad as quick as the uh, <laughs> uh, as, as quick as that guy did. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so the um, Solomon is is forcing us to take a serious look at ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and the way we the way we do life and and what life is really like. Uh, so that uh, and and I think part of the really. Uh, if you will, frustrating thing about the first half of the book is that he doesn't lighten up. No, he just keeps pushing yeah. us to look at reality. Yeah, and he won't let us escape that. And you cannot not read Ecclesiastes and find yourself in that book. Yeah. from the beginning. Yes, I mean, right? You're like, oh yeah, that's me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's me. Oh man, what am I yeah. doing? You know, like, <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, it's a mirror. Yeah, I mean, and you're just yeah, like, it wow. Is. It's in, and it's intended to be a mirror. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit, uh, Doctor Shaw, about that juxtaposition that we see in Ecclesiastes between all of life being 
vanity being meaningless. And then where we read periodically, for example, in 224, where it says, there is nothing better than for a person to eat and drink and find delight in his toil. Yeah. For I also realize yeah. that this is from the hand of God. So, right. uh, you know, yeah, the, uh, I, I think what Solomon is doing is um, making us that that even though life is ephemeral, mm-hmm. uh, it's past, you know, it, it's here and then it's gone. Nonetheless, uh, God has been pleased to give us to give us pleasure. Mm, yeah. um, he and he gives us things. Uh, and times uh, that we can enjoy. And I remember hearing uh, a preacher uh, introducing a sermon one time. I, frankly, I don't remember the sermon, but I remember the introduction because he talked about, he's, he's a, a pastor who works with college students. And he was talking about how a lot of the students that he works with are what he called possibility junkies. Hmm. Um, and what he meant by that was that they won't commit to anything because something better might come along. Hmm. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I'll um, I'll come to your meeting if something else doesn't pop up hmm. that that hmm. I find preferable. Sure. Uh, oh yeah, I'll uh, uh, I'll do that thing for you if you know a better option doesn't come up. And and Solomon is telling us, don't do that. Don't be policy. Take advantage of the pleasures uh, that God lays before you when He lays them before you, mm. because like everything else, they will they will soon the opportunity will soon be gone. Mm, yeah. uh, and, and do you and, think that? And, Eccle- I'm sorry, Doctor. Go ahead. Uh, no, go so ahead. just just on that, that's why I think uh, Ecclesiastes three is so important when you're yeah. just talking about that. that there is a time for everything, and mm-hmm. there is an appointment yeah. time. As he goes on in the list of uh, of things that there's time to give birth, time to kill, time to heal, time to tear down, time to weave, time to, la- to laugh. Because yeah, it also emphasizes the absolute sovereignty of God. Uh, chapter three. I don't know if you could kind of talk a little bit about that, Doctor Shaw. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just a. It's it's my favorite chapter in all of Ecclesiastes. Um, just <laughs> yeah, chapter well, three and what cer- he says. It's certainly the best known chapter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and and I suspect a lot of people know that chapter that have no idea that that's where it's from. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't the mamas but, and the papas uh, sing a song to every season? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if the mamas and papas Was did it? it, but the birds did. The, the birds, uh, yes, the birds. I'm the, sorry. Uh, the birds did the most uh, well-known version. Yeah, but it's okay. been recorded by twenty or thirty different people. So, okay. uh, but the um, all of these things, uh, these times are in the hands of God, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, you know, as as fallen creatures, we don't like that. Yeah. We want to be in control, uh, and yet, um, uh, and yet, the reality of the world uh, should remind us every day that that's no. Uh, you know, just uh, just look at the uh, at uh, Hurricane Dorian. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know that uh, we don't have any control over that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we can pray like crazy and hope that it goes elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God may be pleased to send it uh, uh, to send it right down our throats. So, yeah, it's 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 really antithetical to the prosperity gospel that we hear. It's it's a reality check for life in a fallen world, mm-hmm. and right. uh, that we live in the already and the not yet. You know, we're we're looking forward to the consummation, but we still live in a fallen world. Yes, yeah, that the uh, the world is um, 
as as Paul says in Romans 8, the world is groaning hmm. uh, in in hope and expectation uh, of the. Let's see, how does he say it exactly? Um, that uh, creation was subjected to vanity, yeah. uh, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption mm -hmm. and obtain the freedom and the glory of the children of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's that's where we are. Uh, we're still in that groaning stage. Sure. So, Dr. Shaw, how does eternity play into this? I know that we were talking about uh, chapter 3, and I know that God has set eternity in man's heart. How does this all play into this as, as we read it? Eternity plays into this with the, um, with the recognition that, well, I, I'll, I'll I come at it from this direction. Mm. Uh, one of the things that, one of the phrases gets repeated a number of times in the book is under the sun. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of Solomon's purpose in that phrase is that what he's looking at and what he's forcing us to look at is the is life as it is accessible to our senses hmm. what we can hear what we can see what we can taste what we can touch what we can, uh, you know and um and he is and he is deliberately focusing on this life now and so when he talks about everything is hevel he's not in that sense um, bringing us, uh, he, he's not uh, wanting us to look at eternity, uh, but as he says in, in in Ecclesiastes 3, he has put eternity in our hearts. And so we have this sense that there is more to life, that mm -hmm. there is more to reality than what we can see, than what's, than what's available to our senses. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, you know, it, it goes back to that quote that you cited earlier from Augustine. Yeah. That we, um, uh, you know, we have this restlessness. We have this this certainty uh, that there's more than meets the eye, and yet we, uh, we follow all kinds of, because we're fallen, we follow all kinds of false ways trying to, uh, trying to find mm. that certainty. Mm, yeah. It's almost like you can read Ecclesiastes and you should really just jump into Romans because it starts asking, uh, answering the questions of who we are, sinners, uh -huh. you know, and then and then the good news of the gospel. Yeah. But I mean, right. that might be too much to handle in like one sitting. <laughs> you might want to jump. Go off read a bridge. Ecclesiastes and then and then uh, uh, Romans three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Guy jumps off the bridge reading Ecclesiastes and then Romans, but didn't get to chapter four in Romans. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Dr. Shaw, can you talk about, I, I know there's a lot in the book of Ecclesiastes, but if you kind of just talk about some of the key themes and, and takeaways from Ecclesiastes that, um, you know, that are, that are in the book. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, obviously the, the uh, passing nature uh, of, of this life yeah. is, is the major uh, theme, but also, you know, that, that what he's considering and what he's reflecting on is life under the sun that is the life that's acceptable or accessible to our um uh, to our senses uh but there's also that theme of uh if you will seizing the day uh mm. taking advantage of the moment um and um you know so that when 
there are joys in life that we can miss if we're not paying attention to them. Mm. Um, and and often they're in small things. And I think that's one of the things that uh, Solomon has there is that that we can have these uh, there are these joys in life that often that you know they're fleeting like everything else, but they um, it, and they're easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know somebody tells a good joke and you mm-hmm. have a good laugh out of it. Yeah, that's one of the things you ought to appreciate that mm-hmm. we need to appreciate. Yeah, um, you know, uh, we read a good book and and uh, you know just appreciate those kinds of of little mm-hmm. benefits. Uh, in life, uh, and then the importance of wisdom, of approaching life thoughtfully, uh, mm-hmm. of approaching life carefully. Uh, but you know, over all of that is the importance of the fear of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he doesn't start there mm-hmm. because he wants us uh, to. He he wants to face us first of all with the world as it is. Uh, the world that we see. And then uh, he reminds us in the middle of the book in chapter five that, you know, what you see isn't all there is because there is a God uh, who uh, has put eternity in our hearts. He has made everything for its time. Uh, and that God is to be feared and to be treated carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the fool who goes and makes a vow and then uh, and doesn't have any intention right. of paying it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, you might get away with that with with people, uh, but you're not going to get away with that with God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then you know, he wraps up the book uh, with the uh, statement that uh, we are to fear God and and uh, keep His commands. Because that is the that is the whole of man. That mm. is what makes us whole. Yeah. Uh, That's good. And so, um, yeah. Uh, so that ultimately, uh, it it is it's a fallen world. <clears throat> in um, I'm trying to think of how how best to explain it. It's a fallen world, but is it is not a world of chance. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know it's it's not a random world. There's a purpose uh, to everything. Talk a little bit too about um, just the concept, the idea of fearing God. <laughs> we see it quite often in the Bible. What is Solomon trying to get at when he says fear God? Yeah, I I think Solomon is trying to get at that what. What Solomon means, and I think in general what the Old Testament means by the phrase, uh, the fear of God, or to fear God, the command to fear God, is what in the New Testament uh, we find primarily is to believe or to, uh, or to have faith. Um, that it's a, a, the fear of God is a recognition, is rec- first of all recognizing who God is, and then responding and and beha- responding to that appropriately and behaving uh, in line with that truth, mm-hmm. uh, and that's really what faith is. We believe God is who He says He is, and then we act accordingly. You know, yeah. Uh, just uh, as an example, uh, we read in Genesis 15 that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him. Uh, as righteousness, 
And then in chapter 22, uh, with the binding of Isaac and, you know, uh, uh, Abraham lifts his hand to slay his son and the angel of the Lord stops him. And uh, the angel then says, now I know that you fear God, that, that mm. Abraham has believed God to the extent that he is willing to sacrifice his son if that's what God calls for. Wow. Um, and, and yet he, the angel identifies that as the fearing of God. And so that's, that's good. And I, you know, uh, Paul uses uh, faith in the in, in a certain sense in the Genesis 15 fashion. Um, James uses uh, faith in the Genesis 22 fashion as a faith that's vindicated by its by its actions hmm. yeah maybe too a little bit of what what jesus is getting at when he talks about uh on the sermon on the mount he talks about adultery and lust and uh if you're well he says for example in verse 30 if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it from you for it is better for you to for your li- one of your limbs to be destroyed than your whole body to go into hell and maybe there's there's a sense of obviously you're not going to cut your limb off but fearing god that much that you would rather um, cut, cut off a limb than do something to offend right. god yeah and that when that when we deal with god we deal we're dealing with our creator uh, and you know it's not like dealing with a boss it's not like dealing with mm-hmm. a buddy yeah um we're dealing with the one who made us and the important thing in our the most important thing in our lives is to is to find out what he made us for yeah and and to do that um dr shaw what what would you say to someone who reads through ecclesiastes and you know comes away from it depressed just fully believing that everything <laughs> is just pointless and you know they're just kind of in this chaotic state of mind um you know what? What? What would be your words uh, to them? Because you could read this book, like I said at the beginning of the program, and come away with this nihilistic perspective that just you know, um, there's no point uh, well, to anything. I, yeah. Well, I, I guess I'd say two things. Number one, I think you read the wrong translation. <laughs> um, and but number two, think about the book in the larger context of the Old Testament, uh, in the larger context of the Bible, uh, and recognize that this book is is consistent with everything else uh, that you read in the scriptures. And so when you think of the book, we, we can't think of any book of the scriptures in isolation uh, from the rest of the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything has to be read in its context. I, I think one of the things that has happened uh, in the last, well, uh, particularly in the last 50 years or so, is that there's been a tendency to read Ecclesiastes in the context of the wisdom of Mesopotamia, the context of the wisdom of Egypt, and 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 not reading Ecclesiastes in the context of the rest of the Old Testament. Hmm. And that's the, that's that's the right context. That's the context that we ought to be looking at. It, not not the context of the ancient Near East, but the context of the rest of the Bible. And I think, and you know, I um, I mentioned uh, I cited that passage out of Romans eight 
earlier mm-hmm. uh, for creation was subjected to futility uh, is how the ESV translates. So, it, but it, it's the same it's the same Greek word that the Septuagint used in translating uh, hevel, uh, the word for vanity yeah. in uh, in Ecclesiastes, and so. Uh, I think that is one clue uh, to the reader to go back and, and reread uh, Ecclesiastes in that sense. And then the other passage that I would direct somebody to would be James 4, where uh, he says um, he's talking to the people who are making all kinds of plans for the future. Yeah. And he says, uh, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow uh, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Mm. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Uh, You know, and that's that's that could have been a quote out of out of Ecclesiastes. It it could have. Yes. Um, And so I think you put those two together and begin thinking about Ecclesiastes in those terms. Then you begin to realize, yes, uh, this life is passing, but that doesn't mean that it's meaningless. It doesn't mean that it's pointless. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, God says, uh, you know, Jesus says they will be judged on their deeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those deeds obviously have meaning. Yeah. And it could be a good thing, too, I think, if it brings us to that point of realizing that uh, a, a life outside of a relationship with the Lord is meaningless because then it draws us to him as long as it doesn't end there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think, and I think that's uh, very comforting to know that, um, that God has our, has a purpose for us and that we are here and it's not by accident. And, right. And, right. And, and yeah. it, it, it's not happenstance. It's not chance. Yeah. Um, we like to de- deny the bad news, and that's the the great thing about God's word to to us is that it gives us the bad news, but it also yeah. gives us the good news as well. Right. Yeah. So, so Doctor Shaw, in mm-hmm. what way, if any, is Christ found in Ecclesiastes? Um, I I would say that uh, Christ is found in Ecclesiastes, uh, not so much in particular passages, you know, as uh, sort of saying, oh, yeah, this points to Christ or that points to Christ, but rather the voice that we hear in Ecclesiastes that's telling us these things is the voice of Christ, mm-hmm. and that, that Christ speaks to us in this book, and Christ tells us, yes, your life is passing, but it is not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are joys in this life that are to be taken advantage of. Uh, this life uh, is to be lived, uh, uh, as the Latin phrase is, quorum Deo, uh, before the face of God. Uh, and um, and and so we, uh, as I say, uh, Christ is in the book, not so much uh, in a the voice. You know, yes, Solomon wrote it, but. Uh, if you will, Solomon speaks with the voice of Christ. Yeah, and, and he is the Logos, as we see in right. John one one. Yeah, and so I think in a very real way, the 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 words of the teacher, the son of David, could be uh, could be understood to be Jesus ultimately, even though you know it's it's Solomon 
uh, right. temporarily, right. contemporary, alert, contemporarily easier for me to say, but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's ultimately Jesus Christ, the true son of David, uh, right. whose words they are to right. us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you please share with us the gospel? We love talking about uh, these individual topics, but ultimately they point to the the true source of our faith, who is Jesus Christ and the good news that God has given us through him. And so would you please share with our audience the, the gospel in your own words? Um, well, I'm going to borrow the words of Paul. Um, <laughs> That's good. That the... Uh, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and call on him, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 That is the gospel. Well, Dr. Shaw, I just wanted to let you know I've been le- leading a Bible study for the last 12 weeks through the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, and cool. uh, in your uh, book, when it came out, it was like, I think, almost midpoint of the study. I got uh, it. It, it it came to me, and I opened it up and started reading it, and I made it automatically my first commentary to go to. So that was over uh, Charles Bridges and uh, some other ones that I have. I have a big collection of Ecclesiastes. Like uh, I said at the beginning of the program, yeah, so do I. <laughs> Ecclesiastes is my favorite book of the Old Testament, and, and I just thoroughly loved it. I just want to encourage our listeners to to go out and get get a copy. It's It's very concise. Straightforward and, uh, and and it's just good and and you could almost use it too as a devotional. That's what I like it as well. The chapters yeah, most are of the chapters are, are short enough that you could read it as a daily as a devotional. Reading. Yes, yeah. yeah, it is great. So, um, Doctor Shaw, it was a pleasure to have you on the program. Where can um, individuals go purchase your book? Um, obviously, if you're in our community, you come to Bridge Ministries. Uh, but yeah, just if you could point people, kind of do a plug-in for your book. Um, yeah, I, I would send them to the Banner of Truth website. Um, I think it's, uh, well, just Google Banner of Truth. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure, right? But uh, they would have it available. That would be the place that I would recommend. All righty. All right. By the way, Banner of Truth is my favorite publication, Christian publication. I love it. <laughs> they know how to make yeah. a good book. So uh, yes, just the do. covers and everything, they have very good resources there. So we, we have our stamp of approval on them here. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Shaw, it was a pleasure to have you. We definitely have to bring you back on the program. If you do another book sometime here in the future, I'll be on the lookout. Yeah. All yes. righty. Thank Sounds you, good. Dr. Shaw. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. All right, all right, all right. That ends the program and uh how did you guys like it it was, it was good stuff good stuff. Really good stuff very 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 good stuff uh, well guys if you enjoyed this program we have i believe 97 prior episodes for you to go listen to uh bridge radio uh is completely dedicated to discipling uh christians uh proclaiming the gospel to unbelievers and just um providing these podcasts as a means to really encourage a christian to pick up and read Um, we're big readers here Um, one of the commandments is love the lord god with all your heart soul and mind and we believe first and foremost here that you should be reading the scriptures daily but there are amazing teachers that the that god has provided through the church and very smart men like like dr shaw here who wrote this commentary and it's 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 
use it as a as a help to you yeah. to come to understand the the, the scriptures in, in a very clear way and we just want to encourage you guys to go check out our other podcast we have topics from eschatology to uh the five solas the uh, calvinism and y- you name it i think we've, we've catholicism yeah, we've yeah. covered a lot of subjects and there's more to come yeah. um but yeah please share with uh, your family your friends and uh, if you want to know more information about us please visit www.bridgemanlaredo.org And as always, we end with one question. What is it, Steve? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And that is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will see you on the next episode of Ridge Radio. Thank you. Later. Bye-bye.